0: Ramen is in a restaurant in Ashland, Massachusetts. serves traditional and authentic Japanese ramen Thai noodle soups and the best chicken wings in the Metro West. Everything is done in-house from scratch, and they use only the highest quality products from small farms. Co-chef owners Hapanuk and Alan McIntosh combine their culinary skills with traditional Japanese cuisine to create an authentic, amazing flavor in every dish. Located at 1 West Union Street on Ashland, Massachusetts, their phone number is 508- or they can be located on Facebook at Dorigan Ramen Ashland and on their website as well www.doriganramen.com
1: of War of the World. For some reason, all the long-distance lines are out at this end of the continent. The aliens take control of world communication. The fate of the world is resting in the hands of the phone company. Harrison must find the key to alien defeat. I know they're around here, I can feel them. Can the team stop them in time? Sylvia! Alien take over. let look out! Ah! On the next all-new episode of War of the World,
0: Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Dead TV Podcast, podcast dedicated to all the canceled TV shows in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris.
2: And I'm Mr. Seneca.
0: And if you were watching this in 1989 and watched that preview of the episode that we just played, which I found on YouTube, you would have been spoiled by one of the main characters, or the one of the new, not main characters, one of the new characters introducing this episode because they spoiled that in that trailer <laughs> that was like whoa <laughs> don't watch that preview before you watch this episode new characters have a pattern of like they're gonna get killed they're not gonna survive they're probably gonna become an alien so it's not that big of a uh spoiler maybe maybe <laughs> and mr zeneca has the episode for us episode 17
2: Season 1, Episode 17, The Meek Shall Inherit, originally aired February 13th, 1989. The aliens plan to disorganize human society by paralyzing its means of communication. But that's not really what this episode is about.
0: No, and there's it's a terrible IMDb description. It's also about the return of Sylvia Van Buren, the actress from the original movie who befriends a homeless girl named Molly. Yeah. Which is, like, the bigger focus of the episode. The communication thing is, like, right in the beginning. But I was completely triggered in a corner in the fetal position crying because of the snow. Oh. <laughs> because of the snow that never ends in the northeast.
2: How many inches of snow did you get?
0: I mean, it's it, it, apparently we're up to, like, 50 or 60 or something like that. It just keeps piling on top. I mean, the roads are clear, obviously, right now. But it's just, like, it just keeps coming and coming.
2: Where you live, you're used to the snow versus, like, Texas, where everything was destroyed
0: by the snow. Oh, I thought everything was destroyed by the incompetence of uh, politicians. Oh! 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 We got somebody who's pissed at us for getting into politics! Oh! <laughs> I'm not even joking. This guy was like, I listened to the show, but you guys are too political. And I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? We get into it because of what's going on in the show, and we make a joke once in a while
2: not sure that'll change anything but right uh, i
0: mean we're dealing with a show where the government employs a task force to hunt down aliens in the 80s during the uh, i would say it was the reagan era no now we're in the bush era yeah and, and that it
2: was the era of the great satanic panic as well
0: right and you have two main male characters who are a right-wing and left-wing nut jobs i mean come on <laughs> if you can't figure out which one is which then you you need to rewatch the show people <laughs>
2: Most of this episode is just dealing around the life and trials of the hobos.
0: Right. What's funny, though, is we start out with this, like, but Bobby said to Linda, told Johnny that Mary said that I called him, and I'm like, what is going on? And then that guy, whoever she's talking to, classmate, boyfriend, gets blown up in a phone booth. <laughs> like, holy
1: crap.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, and the telephone melts spectacularly.
0: Could you imagine if somebody threw a bomb into a phone booth that Superman ran into or Clark Kent ran into? They would discover he's Superman like that.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. The entire string of telephones and wires just overloading and exploding was pretty impressive. You know, I was actually looking forward to more of that on a larger scale when they said that this episode was about breaking down the communication methods. And but the- we didn't get into that.
0: And the phone melting of the teenage girl complaining about whoever said who to what was kind of funny. Reminded me of, I don't know why, but it reminded me of Videodrome for some reason. But I'm probably thinking of the wrong movie. Why does a movie with a phone melts? I mean, in
2: Stranger Things, it melts and chars.
0: Right. Okay, that's what it was. Maybe it was that. Stranger Things is relevant because we're in the 80s, and Stranger Things is maybe coming back one day. <laughs> End of this year, I suppose. Uh, I think it's going to be this year. I think they were halfway filmed into the next season before the pandemic happened, and then they had to move the production to a, to a country that – you know can get their crap together daughter by the way i think this is the character and then there's mom and dad this is it that's their one imdb credit by the way mom dad and daughter all have like a single IMDb credit dad actually has a couple others behind the glass door the hannah's story might have been one of those lifetime movie of the week kind of things whenever you hear hannah's story that's what i always think of lifetime movie of the week mom was in hairspray <laughs> the movie based on the play
2: uh, and Molly is played by Deanna Reese.
0: I don't know her at all. Was she in anything? Well, she,
2: doesn't, she doesn't have a lot of, like, serious IMDb credits. She had, does a lot of bit parts here and there. But her major role was as a leading character in the show Ready or Not.
0: She I plays don't know
2: Lucy that. Ramone.
0: You definitely don't know that one. Two teenage yeah, friends she... come of an age while going through life struggles together. <gasps> Sounds riveting for the nineties. <laughs>
2: but however, she was on another show that we've done before, and not Friday the Thirteenth this time.
0: Was she on? She copy? was on Witchblade. Oh, who was she on Witchblade?
2: Uh, she plays a character called Marie Siri oh. from the episode Apprehension.
0: Yeah, I don't. remember I don't
2: remember her face off the top of my head in that episode, but she's there.
0: Okay, and she pl- comes back, I guess, in Doomsday to play Grace, so we'll see her again at some point. Moving on from the drama of the days of our lives with the phone booth explosion, alien homeless people, and then we go to uh, Sylvia once again. And now for the first time ever, Ann Robinson has a haircut that makes her look like her movie counterpart. or Herself in the movie, sorry, not her counterpart, she's the same character from the movie. Whereas before, she had really weird, bushy hair. I guess that was the style of the 80s. I mean, Angela Lansbury had that same type of haircut. You know what I mean? Older women in their 50s style haircut. But this actually looks like her hairstyle exactly the way it was in the 50s movie. Now, she was black and white in that movie, so she probably could have had red hair then too, right? I think so. Yeah, but she actually looks like herself now. That was kind of striking. I was like... (gasps) So that made me very happy. But I don't know how many more episodes we get with Sylvia Van Buren. I was kind of surprised we've had two more. I thought it was just the one.
2: Yeah, I I don't know.
0: We are terrible at getting people on this show because she's still alive today. We could probably try and reach out to her for an end of season one kind of thing because I don't know if she comes back for season two. Okay, so this is her final episode, by the way. She's not in the next episode, so does Harrison just send her back to the insane asylum? (laughs) We're going to put you back where you belong. I guess.
2: (laughs) going to take care of her when she's going through her fits of alien feelings <laughs> well they
0: could they do have an empty bunk with the death of the groundskeeper what's his name oh no oh.
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> midnight movie massacre she was on too she played sylvia van buren as well but i don't know if maybe they were playing the world the world's tv the the movie i don't know we could try to reach out to see if she wants to come on the show again it's i was kind of surprised to find out she's still alive she's in the last page of summer which came out last year which i don't know what that is And, of course, I remember the fact that she returned for the play the Grandmother in War of the Worlds at the end of the movie. But she also played Sylvia Van Buren again in The Naked Monster the same year as Tom Cruise's film. I don't know what that is.
2: (laughs) You know, that might be just the movie playing in the background.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you know what's really funny is I've had the writer and director of that on Boobs, Blood, and Badasses – the Hammer Horror Podcast, Ted Newsom came on my show a month before he died of a heart attack. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was on Zoom with me and Roe, who's my co-host for that, and he was on Oxygen when he came on, too. And I was like, oh, wow, he doesn't look very good. And then he died. He unfortunately passed away right after our coming on the show, so I did the last like interview with him. Unknown fact about him, he wrote the script for Canon Films' Spider-Man movie which you can go on youtube and watch the micro trailer for and the guy who did the stunt work for the trailer as well as the promo ads for canon showing they were going to do a spider-man movie appears on a cover of amazing spider-man issue like 262 he's half in his spider-man costume and i'm masking, and someone's taking a picture of him and in in that story spider-man has to go and find that photographer to get that photo back okay so the guy actually got to play spider-man in a continuity of the comic books you know despite the fact the film never got made wow this canon spider-man script by the way would be rewritten twice once by james cameron to become his movie oh
2: okay
0: which has a really horrible scene of like spider-man mary jane doing it on a giant web (laughs) (laughs) like
2: because you know they did
0: yeah because that's what we wanted to see in spider-man 3 not them staring at meteors and going i love you i love you so much
2: There there are scenes out of the Spider-Man comic where the webs are used as bondage devices. Just saying.
0: Just saying. But we never see Spider-Man, like, banging anybody in the webs. It's usually, like, off camera. Like, in an issue I did on another podcast – I do too many podcasts – Spider-Man, like, grabs – like, Spider-Man's crawling on the wall behind Mary Jane while she's doing, like, sexy photos or whatever for him, and he grabs her from behind or whatever, and then you just see, like, the top come down. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moving on to this podcast. (laughs) So a masked man breaks into the uh, Institute ninja-style, and we find out it's a woman, and she's actually a candidate for a squad that Iron Horse is trying to put together because he's so good – leading other people in a battle against the aliens. How many times has he lost people in battle? <laughs>
2: mm, a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> His track record I mean, with anyone who's not a main character is not very good.
2: True, but he does have to continue to form the squad and cycle through people as he gets them killed.
0: <laughs> the, uh,
2: so, Sar- <laughs> sergeant Coleman, we've seen her before and she's a very good sergeant in this one where she's, kind of tough as nails but not quiet enough for iron horse
0: right yeah he starts going through like a list of candidates one of which he's already worked with before and a corporal who seems to get demoted a lot and he's going to put together this cracked squad of people that we never see again probably ever (laughs) molly has like a sad story about her and sylvia like gives her bread after they break out of the institute it's really sweet so the tragedy of kind of knowing what's going to happen to her possibly, of her never possibly returning, or her getting turned into an alien is just a downer for the whole episode.
2: Yeah, it really is. You know, This episode turns from the communications uh, shutdown to being about the lives of the hobos and them trying to take a truck that contains something that we're never really told about, but it's some sort of power source for this communications breakdown machine. Details are extremely scant, and in fact, the way that this episode is written, it's almost as if that's the side note for the reason that they're in this trucking yard.
0: The advocates changed. Did the female advocate get killed? Is that the one that took the nosedive into the toxic waste at the end of that one episode in the terrible, terrible green screen?
2: I don't know. You know, because they wear those suits, it's really hard to keep track of the advocates because one of the actors that plays one of the hobos, Dayton, next podcast he'll be playing an advocate in that one.
0: Oh, okay. But the female advocate doesn't seem to be in the episodes anymore.
2: Yeah, I don't know. They might cycle through bodies and so therefore cycling through actors. It's really difficult to tell.
0: Yeah, interesting. The The
2: security guard that chews them off of the uh, trucking station, he is called Bull in this episode. But the actor, uh, Gene Mack, was also on Johnny Mnemonic and a stuntman in Police Academy 3.
0: And he was in uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which is one of the films of the John Carpenter Apocalypse Trilogy that you were trying to tell me about on Facebook. Guard number two. I probably don't remember him. But uh, And he
2: was on Friday the 13th as well.
0: Oh, he was. Interesting. And he was in... Yeah,
2: uh, he was on the episode Hate on Your Dial. He
0: was in... I don't know who he was in it, but he was in Lands of the Dead, which is interesting. Um, I've seen the movie a couple times, but I probably couldn't pick him out of a lineup, because that was 15 I years between Nick? films. I don't know.
2: And I'm not sure which character is that, but considering he's like this big black man, he might be one of the zombies that's more aware
0: Oh, yeah, maybe. i got to figure out what episode it is, because I don't think I've watched this one yet. There's an episode of Forever Night called Dark Knight, the second chapter, where he plays Mechanic. in the epi- And I'm like, I'm rewatching Forever Night right, right now. I don't remember. I've come across that episode. So I don't know if that's from season three or not. That's where the production really got wonky, and they had to keep moving stuff around. So, But, uh, yeah, we'll see this actor again coming up in season two, I think. Yeah. So he gets killed because... Nobody can live on this show to continue on. That's how you don't have to worry about recurring characters. You just kill them off. But it helps if you actually kill them off and not just leave them, like, hanging like Blackwood's, you know, ex-girlfriend.
2: Yeah, when they just don't disappear mysteriously, we actually do have a final death scene for these characters.
0: Correct. Poor Molly getting and in, turned into an alien is really sad because, I mean, she could have, like... I don't know. they just. Well, she she didn't listen
2: to Sylvia. Sylvia said, "Don't go out there. Don't. I. It's going to be bad. Don't go out there." And she goes out there because she wants food, and gets taken over by the other hobos that are aliens.
0: Now, the entire time, I'm thinking they're going to call the advocates and give away the information about Harrison Blackwood, but it doesn't seem like that happens. The episode ends so abruptly when uh, Molly is killed. By Harris, uh, Iron, Iron Horse's Marines, that we never get any indication that they contacted the advocates to say, Harrison Blackwood is a smart scientist, knows everything about the aliens.
2: Yeah, and, and it seems a little weird because don't the aliens already know about Blackwood and his team? It seemed to me like they already knew by how they were acting. But, you know, in this episode, it doesn't seem that they do. Like, this is new information.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it. we've never had a scene where the advocates are alerted to the Blackwood Institute at all. There have been plenty of times alien foot soldiers, if you want to call them that, are aware of it, of them. But I don't think that information ever gets to the advocates because we never hear the advocates talking about Blackwood or Iron Horse.
2: Well, we don't. However, there was that spy in the uh, Among the Philistines episode where he was almost specifically put there – to engage in Blackwood's team and get information and whatnot. So that's why I thought that they knew about him already.
0: Again, maybe he didn't have a means to, to give back information about what was going on at the Blackwood Institute. Maybe. So that's why I'm thinking the advocates are not aware. I mean, I'm sure they're aware, the government is aware of it, but I don't know if they know about this specific little organization until we get to that point, and that that's something that's coming up. I don't want to give away. But uh, Molly getting killed by the Crackpot team, I mean, she's, like, stalking them and dies. That was – and then it just ends. It just ends so abruptly. I'm like, what the hell? It's like a Hammer movie. If you ever watch Hammer movies, they just end like that. Mm, No wrap-up. Just done. Bad guy's dead, done. Roll credits. (laughs) I mean, at least in, like, a Friday the 13th movie, there is, like, a stinger after Jason is killed again, or Michael Myers, or Freddy. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of a wrap-up, but they just – Molly's dad credits.
2: Do we know who was actually playing the prostitute?
0: Oh yeah, she was kind of interesting.
2: It looks like on the credits, the hooker is played by a uh, Kim Kayer. She yep. Doesn't have a long IMDb at all. You know, she was on Psycho Girls, Chasing Rainbows, a TV miniseries, and this is basically her second to the last thing on her IMDb credits.
0: She played swimsuit model and TNA cheerleaders in uh, TNA cheerleader in Screwballs
2: gorgeous, so I'm sure she has plenty of TNA to show.
0: Right. She's played biker girl and prostitute at least two other times. So, (laughs) Yeah, so she was an interesting little character as they're walking the streets trying to find Molly. Yeah. That's all the Uh, news I have for this episode.
2: Well, uh, the only thing left in this episode is that Iron Horse comes with his team and use live rounds to shoot at these hobos, even though the squad doesn't quite know what they're going after. They use live rounds to kill hobos, <laughs> but it luckily turns out that they're aliens. This episode, The Meek Shall Inherit, is basically from the Bible verse, Matthew 5-5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But I think we all knew that one, and that's all I got.
0: And we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with the second episode of the Dead TV podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, and my focus area it is connected to that because in the following episode we have a hybrid and uh, H.G. Wells discussed hybrids in Island of Dr. Moreau.
0: Okay, yes, Island of Dr. Moreau. Awesome, decent old movie, terrible movie in the 90s. Ding, 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 ding.
1: <laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the clip Keeper. And you're listening to the Dead TV Podcast.
2: That's right. <laughs>
1: so with that, kitties, be careful what you ask for. You may get it.
2: Before DNA splicing, advanced cosmetic surgery, or CRISPR genetic modification became our scientific reality, they were the stuff of science fiction. In fact, H.G. Wells was the first to imagine such things. Today, I'm going to talk about H.G. Wells' next novel, The Island of Dr. Moreau, published in 1896. This book created a subtype of science fiction that we now call Uplift, which is where animals are enhanced to become a more higher sentient life form. Think of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Flowers for Algernon, the client species in Mass Effect, or Snowball from Rick and Morty. The plot of The Island of Dr. Moreau revolves around a man by the name of Edward Prendick, who tells the story to the reader of his capsizing and rescue from sea, and ends up trapped on an island run by a scientist, his assistant, and a bunch of human-animal hybrids and animal cross-species, leading to disastrous results. Now, I'm sure you've come across this particular theme before, as echoes of the story have touched nearly all of our pop culture, but allow me to break it down in a more direct timeline. H.G. Wells wrote The Island of Dr. Moreau in 1896. It was, in part, a fictionalized expansion of an essay he wrote in 1895 called The Limits of Individual Plasticity, which discussed the use of chemical modification and vivisection, that is, the surgical opening of a live creature, for experimentation. He wrote this to illustrate the scientific uses and dangers. So in the novelization of the idea, he took it to its ultimate form and ultimate cruelty to drive home the idea that animal vivisection was wrong. As a side note, animal vivisection was outlawed in Britain in 1876 with the Cruelty to Animals Act but illegal human vivisection as torture was done in World War II by Josef Mengele and as an execution method in Cambodia in 1979 at the Tol Sang prison. The Island of Dr. Moreau was another huge success in 1896. However, H. G. Wells accused Joseph Conrad of plagiarism when he released his book, Heart of Darkness, published in 1899. Although there are similarities, Part of Darkness is more about the dehumanization of the African people and the horrors of war and the cruelty of men. It wasn't a commercial success like The Island of Dr. Moreau was. However, there have been a great number of media produced from it, including the movie Apocalypse Now and an Orson Welles, Mercury Theater on the Air radio production in 1938. Jump to 1913. The first film based on The Island of Dr. Moreau was a French silent film called The Island of Terror, In 1921, a German silent film adaptation came out called The Island of the Lost. Both were unauthorized versions of H.G.'s work. The next film was authorized, and you can still find a copy to watch. It was called Island of Lost Souls, released in 1932, starring Bella Lugosi. H.G. Wells was extremely disappointed when he saw the final cut. Understandably so. The Island of Lost Souls added a female Panther Woman character for a romance that just wasn't in the book. Veritably, shoehorning in some type of romance or attraction continues in most of the adaptations of the book. Whether that is done for mass appeal or to include a main female character, who's to say? It's just a strange addition when the theme of the book is more about right and wrong, science and godliness, and what does it really mean to be a man? Another point that is left out of all the adaptations is that the story continues past Dr. Moreau's death. After the Beast Man kills Dr. Moreau, the book goes into the main narrator's loneliness, his wonder at how normal the beasts have become to him, and their slow degradation back into animalistic behaviors. The measure of their society began with a set of rules of law dutifully recited and can be found in most of the adaptations. Here's a clip.
1: He must learn the law. Say the words. Not to go on all fours that is the law, are we not men? Not to suck up drink, that is the law, are we not men? Not to eat fish or flesh, that is the law, are we not men? Not to claw the bark of trees, that is the law, are we not men? Not to chase other men, that is the law, are we not men? We ran through a long list of prohibitions— His is the house of pain. His is the hand that makes. His is the hand that wounds. His is the hand that heals. And so on, for another long series. His is the lightning flash, we sang. His is the deep salt sea. His are the stars in the sky. A horrible fancy came into my head that Moreau, after animalizing these men, had infected their dwarfed brains with a kind of deification of himself.
2: When Dr. Moreau's House of Pain is just a lingering memory, the narrator spends over six months becoming scared as he, too, declines in his ability to recognize the man-beast from man. He shuns humans when he returns to the mainland, seeing the animal traits in man, and it scares him just as much as being on the island. There have been 11 movie adaptations, over 12 TV homages, two radio series, six songs, four video games, and twelve books that directly use the Dr. Moreau theme. You would be hard pressed to never have come across some of these. There's Spy Kids Island of Lost Dreams, Fallout Villains, references in Johnny Bravo, Orphan Black, Batman the Animated Series, Sliders, Spliced, Venture Brothers, the Mike Tyson Mystery Series. Champions Online, and even South Park that specifically uses a version of Dr. Moreau from the very badly reviewed 1996 film starring Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. Speaking of which, that characterization of Dr. Moreau with the head wraps and the mini-me was entirely Marlon Brando's doing. If you want some really what-the-fuck-behind-the-scenes info on that film, go check out the movie Lost Soul, The Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau, it's mind-blowingly nuts. The costumes for the Beast are top-notch, but that's really the only strong point of the film. Out of all the adaptations I saw, and I did see quite a few of them, the best one is the 1977 version with Burt Lancaster and Michael York. The animal fight scenes use real animals, and it includes a plot where Dr. Moreau starts turning the human protagonist into an animal. Totally not like the book at all, but it is highly entertaining. The basic elements... A jungle setting, a shipwrecked person, scientists, experiments, human-animal hybrids, and subsequent rising up of these hybrids is so pervasive in our science fiction lexicon that you can almost call them cliché now. Modern creators feel the need to add a new twist or element to differentiate themselves from the rest. Whether the animals became uplifted from vivisection, chemicals, DNA splicing, sexual intercourse, nuclear waste, or any number of medical surgeries. The message remains subtle in the background. Mankind is the beast, with the depth of cruelty that animals have never achieved. Is that really something to be proud of? Food for thought.
0: Good night. And we're back on the Dead TV Podcast with the next episode. And unlike the last one, we uh, are pulling the promos from a YouTube channel, and the – Baby Resurrection, Alien Resurrection, Species, similar plotline episode, didn't have a promo. So, oh well. Moving on. Uh, Mr. Zenega has the plot synopsis for us for episode 18.
2: Unto Us, a Child is Born, originally aired February 20th, 1989. To escape capture, an alien merges with a pregnant woman. This causes unexpected consequences for the aliens and for Blackwood's team, and violence for the hospital staff when the woman-slash-alien goes into labor.
0: All right, so right off the bat, this was the grossest of all the episodes we've covered so far. I mean, you've got a nurse with her leg being ripped off and enough eye gouging, mouth gouging, you know, skull fucking the aliens do with their giant three sausage fingers than any other episode we've done so far.
2: Oh, and the alien makeup on the baby, oh my god, it's gross.
0: And Harris, oh yeah, the alien baby is the most disgusting, ugly thing that only a mother could love, like Jason Voorhees, or that thing the alien queen gave birth to as part of Ripley's DNA from Alien Resurrection.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Like, seriously? It also reminds me of, do you remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze?
2: I watched it, but I barely remember it.
0: Okay, do you remember the mutants Toka and Razar?
2: The one uh, Rocksteady and Bebop?
0: No. Okay. <laughs> the big misconception is a lot of people are always a Mandela affecting, thinking that's Rocksteady and Bebop. That's no, Token Razar is a snapping turtle and a and a wolf.
2: Oh,
1: okay.
0: Yeah. Rocksteady and Bebop are the pig and the and the rhino. So okay. in, in the movie, as soon as they come out of their mutated form, they immediately see Shredder and their babies, they imprint on Shredder immediately and call him Mama. <laughs> mama? And then Shredder's like, they're babies! (laughs) And that's happening actually recently right now in the Turtle comic book. So this thing doing that reminds me of that as well as the incredibly disgusting creature in Alien Resurrection.
2: Oh yeah. This episode for sure, like it was gory, it was violent. I mean, some of our commenters have said that they've gotten in trouble for this episode and I can see why. This is just terribly graphic episode one person gets thrown off of the balcony and dies in the mall like it all starts with this weapon in the mall that's this gas and we never get back to that mall to find out whether the mall was saved or the weapon removed nothing like that we just follow this plot line where these aliens are, are being chased by the security guards and then have to evade them and then the, the eventual jump into the pregnant woman leads to a hospital visit, et cetera, et cetera, and then chaos ensues. So we never go back to the mall to see you know, what happened to those hundreds of people that were in danger.
0: I thought it was gonna be aliens at the mall for a beginning of this episode because I didn't read the episode description before watching it. I do most of the time, but this one I I was just in a rush to get through these two episodes because I've had such a busy week. And I I was like, oh, aliens at the mall. Oh no, it's aliens in the hospital. Oh no, it's something out of Species or Grocer. <laughs> <laughs> so in Species, for anyone who hasn't seen that movie, Natasha Hendridge, alien mutant, alien human hybrid DNA creating like the hot nineteen year old Natasha Hendridge. And then she needs to mate with somebody, so she you know gets busy with Dr. Octopus, and they create you know her alien baby, which doesn't ever live on in anywhere other than comics. So. And then alien resurrection, same thing. Uh, like Ripley's DNA is placed with alien queen DNA, and then there's an alien human hybrid, and it's gross. <laughs> and yeah. this thing is ugly as sin. Uh, who plays it? Mark Parr, I think I guess it's alien mutant number one, maybe. I guess he's a little person. This is definitely that guy because he's got n- numerous credits on here, such as elf, little dick, little guy, so it's probably this actor. No photo of what he looks like, but he was an eye for an eye. He was green midget, uncredited.
2: Okay, then that's our guy.
0: Yep. He's on Trailer Park, boys. I don't watch that. Do you?
2: No. It's
0: 2021. It's a little bit too idiotic for me. Oh, yes. It definitely looks like jackass. <laughs> And if it's not people, you can correct me. Just it looks like jackass, and I'm not a big fan of that.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm a fan yeah. of that
0: when it's like in the context of a movie, like if Jim Carrey does it, you know what I mean. But just to watch people being punched in the balls is just like not funny.
2: I mean, if I wanted to see that, I could just go to TikTok.
0: <laughs> Actually, you know, I've been putting up some decent TikTok videos. One of my, if you can believe this, one of my TikTok videos has over 900 views, and it's a review. Of, it's a quick, funny review of uh, I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind the fact, by the way, I have TikTok videos up of my footage of when I went to Vermont over the summer to visit the locations of Beetlejuice. You know what I mean? Those blew up within, like, seconds, but nobody's watched them ever since. I do not understand TikTok.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I wrote down gross Nancy with the horrible eyes gout. And that is just right oh my god that's worse than the leg with the nurse oh oh god i thank god i wasn't eating
2: well that the the corpse on the bed is her husband gross <laughs> very gross very gross the actor that plays nancy her name is amber lee weston and she was also on the campbells tv series neon rider and the twilight zone in the episode extra inning
0: which twilight zone there's been four tv series
2: the Twilight Zone from
0: the 1980s. Ah, oh, okay. I just watched a cursed film about the Twilight Zone. Have you seen that show on Shudder?
2: No, I don't have a subscription.
0: Oh, there's like Shudder Shutter 30. There you go. That's a free month. Oh, okay. You can put in Shudder 30, you get a free month. Um, I recommend highly watching cursed films. It is insane, the stuff about these. You know what I mean? They're not getting into the supernatural behind it. They're getting into why these films cursed possibly. You know what I mean? They're taking it from a real-world perspective, not like, oh, there's demons or, oh, you know, Brandon Lee's curse of the Lee family. No, n- n- none of that nonsense. It's, they take it from a very subjective, real-world view of what is going on with these movies and what happened. And it's unbelievable the stuff that they've uncovered and talked about. And some of it's been retread, but they do have brand-new interviews with people who have constantly never wanted to be on camera until now.
1: So. wow. And they do the Twilight
0: Zone movie, which we all know what happened with that, the actor and the two children who were killed by the helicopter crash.
2: Yeah, that's so tragic.
0: Ugh. As far as I'm aware, War of the Worlds, the TV series, didn't really have a big body count in any kind of way, but there was accidents on set that I'm sure has led to a lot of the reasons why we will not get anybody from the main cast that's still with us on the show. But we keep trying.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: IMDb Trivia says this is the only episode where Isle von Gautz doesn't play one of the alien advocates. Hmm. Interesting. It's also funny that the day that they were recording this is the day after this episode aired 31 years ago.
2: (laughs) We're staying in time with them. Apparently
0: we are. We're, We're doing pretty well. And for anyone paying attention, if you have the original box set, this is the first two episodes of the second to last disc, so disc five. And then after this, we only have three episodes left in season one. Can you believe that? wow yeah but then in the middle of season one and two we're going to announce a big show we're going to do well it's a mini show but it's a big deal for us because mr zeneca is really excited about it yay and i am too because i'm such a nerd about the thing but she's a bigger fan of the thing that we're going to be talking about doing and i'm a bigger fan of the subject material that it's based on (laughs) right do i have that right you're a bigger fan of the show right
2: yes i am a bigger fan of the show although i do have the comics oh you gave it away i didn't give it away
0: Comic. All right. All right. We won't say what it is, though. So but uh, I'm very excited for it because I haven't watched that in a million years. So probably since it aired.
2: So in this episode, the hybrid grows up extremely fast. <laughs> yeah. The baby is born and is a toddler in the matter of like an hour. And then they say that the the kid could be 35 walking around. They just didn't know and ends up still being a, a child. But it's really weird that the alien that it comes from, Nancy, like she's attracted to this child and (laughs) almost hones in on them and they're trying to find each other in the hospital. It almost seems that it's like the one soul from the alien, if they have souls, split into two bodies because she mentions about having to rejoin and sacrifice this creature in order to become one again.
0: Focus area with the hybrid people, animal, disgusting creatures kind of thing Definitely very relevant to this because it's uh, only faces that mothers could love in both contexts of The Island of Dr. Moreau and this.
2: Exactly, exactly. And, and the scientific ways that hybrids form, at least in science fiction, extremely relevant to this episode. It's almost like I planned this.
0: Did you also cover the episode of The Simpsons that Parodied?
2: No, I didn't mention that but I do mention a lot of other things because The Island of Dr. Murrow has an extremely large amount of pop culture references.
0: In the movie Van Helsing, the prequel comic book that Dark Horse put out For the movie, the one starring Hugh Jackman, that was going to be like its big franchise, but it flopped at the box office. It was just one film and an animated movie and a video game and a toy line. That's how big they thought Van Helsing was going to be. The prequel comic book, he fights creatures from the island of Dr. Moreau.
2: Yes, yeah. There's a lot out there. Like I could have had this focus area be an entire half an hour, but I pared it down significantly just so that we could... (laughs) You know get through it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. We, we we try to keep these episodes under an hour so someone says your po- someone says podcasts are only meant to be like a half an hour i'm like i don't think so I, i've listened to a lot of podcasts i mean you ever listen to kevin smith's podcast jesus christ
2: <laughs> and i also listen to last podcast on the left and they go off for over an hour
0: so there's, by the way, three alien toddlers in this, and there's like four mutants or something like that, because we also have John Ferguson as, uh, John Piper Ferguson as one of these alien mutant creatures. He's not short. He's pretty tall he's got some horrifying pictures of him on imdb from something called the wolf <laughs> i thought this was maybe one of his main photos i'm like this dude must get work in horror movies a lot because he'd be scary and he's still working today but he plays one of these alien creature things but he was on uh agents of shield as tucker yeah he was in four episodes of agents of shield
2: so the big reveal out of the entire episode is that we get to the very end and the baby, which has no trace of alien DNA after the mother alien dies and the, the portion of that alien dies, no trace of alien DNA yet. The couple that the baby is given to, the grandparents, they are aliens. Hmm.
0: Interesting.
2: To life immortal.
0: And you yeah. will never, ever see these characters ever again if you read the description of the next episode, Mr. Zeneca.
2: I try not to look ahead because I, I'm supposed to come to this fresh.
0: <laughs> yeah, we never. I see do these
2: every every two weeks, and uh, I try not to skip ahead, even if it is an interesting episode.
0: I wouldn't put it past the aliens that they have abducted babies and children and done terrible fire-in-the-sky style of experiments on them. They do not care if you are a man, woman, child, dog, whatever. I mean, they leave the kid alone in the episode where the parents and the family gets kidnapped, and that's one thing. But I don't think the advocates are nearly as, like, giving a crap. You know what I mean? They're, they they yeah. don't care. So maybe they it's a good much thing...
2: They for humanity.
0: Right. Maybe it's a good thing we never see what happens to the alien, uh, the the baby. But that's weird that they don't can't detect anything, and then they... I swear to God, I thought Norton came up with like an alien detector, but maybe I'm thinking of an episode that's coming up.
2: Well, they did have that Geiger counter, which helped to detect aliens.
0: Then they need and to they like
2: don't seem to use it.
0: Yeah, they need to miniaturize that thing, slap it at everyone's wrist, so they can just point it at somebody and be like, "No, oh, they're an alien, kill them! They're an alien, kill
2: them!" Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Well, the name the name for this episode, "Unto a Child is Born," is from Isaiah nine six. Oh. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'd say that the title of this episode was pretty optimistic, considering what actually happens in the episode. This baby does not survive long enough to become a Prince of Peace.
0: No. It's also very strange how, like... The thing dies, the creature, and the the baby emerges from it like a cocoon, reborn as like a perfectly human baby boy. And that's so weird. I mean, that's that's a big trope of science fiction. Like you're, you think of Dana and Ghostbusters. Spider-Man had that happen to him once. He emerged from like a spider thing and he got organic webbing for a little while. And I guess he still does. It's just a matter of the writers ever want to really use it. You know, so you're in... A creature and you merge human. Jason, remember at the end of Jason Takes Manhattan, that happened to him? Mm-hmm. So Yeah.
2: It's just really kind of sad to have a baby, in essence, die in an episode. So they wanted to avoid that by saying, oh, no, the baby's alive. Here you go. Just makes it a little bit more TV palatable.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, that's all the notes I have here for this episode of the Dead TV Podcast.
2: That's all I got.
0: And we've got three episodes left to go in season one. We have three episodes of the podcast to go in season one. That's six episodes for us. And then our mystery show and then Reaper. So sit back, and relax through 2021. we got a lot of cool stuff to cover. And you can find us on Facebook at The Dead TV Podcast. You can send us an email at radiohorror at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Christy and at Elegantly Kinky. If you have a factoid about War of the Worlds we haven't covered, or we may have missed in the episode. You can drop us a line at, that, at gmail.com and let us know. And we'll be back next week with two more exciting episodes of the Dead TV Podcast.
2: Good night. <laughs>